Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, friends. Thanks for joining our podcast. I want to tell you about something really new and exciting called Patreon.com slash BP Show. It's a great way to get uh, exclusive interviews with newsmakers, voicemails, personalized videos, political commentary, and early access to a special podcast called The Making of Bernie Sanders. Go to patreon.com slash BP show, patreon.com slash BP show. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is the Bill Press Show live at youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. There was conspiracy, there was collusion, there was criminal activity, says Robert Mueller. The beginning of the end for the Trump administration. Hello, everybody. Wow, what a day yesterday. Long time since uh, we've seen anything like it. In fact, uh, Paul Manafort, the first campaign manager To be indicted since John Mitchell in the days of Richard Nixon and Watergate. And for a lot of Washington veterans, it looked like the beginning of Watergate yesterday here in Washington with the indictments of Paul Manafort and Rick Gates for laundering money and uh, committing conspiracy against the United States. And the guilty plea of Trump campaign aide George Papadopoulos of trying to arrange meetings with the Russians to get dirt on Hillary Clinton to influence the 2016 election. And yet Donald Trump still (laughs) insists there was no collusion. Get out of here. Wow. Whole new day today. Whole new day. And everything that Donald Trump has been saying for the last 10 months Proven to be totally untrue. Proven to be, to borrow his phrase, fake news. You know what happened? Tell us what you think about it. Go on Twitter, at BP Show. Fill it up. Let us know your thoughts on the big news yesterday and what it means and where we go from here. It is the Bill Press Show. We'll jump right into the news of the day. But first, this is the Full Court Press. Just a couple of other stories. No. Are there other stories? There are other stories, believe it or not. Hard to believe. We'll start with the fact that it's Halloween today. Uh Uh-oh. So what is it that is your favorite Halloween candy, Bill? Easy. This is so easy. Oh. But go uh, ahead, Bill. Well, you know what? I like this old-fashioned, but I like those little kernels of corn. You know, the little... You like candy corn? You like candy corn? Candy corn. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, you and my girlfriends. 
You, really you are like, in a very you, small minority. You, yeah, you are like one of the few. I can count on, the, on one hand the number of people who actually like Oh, candy. Ray likes candy corn, too. There you go. Mm-hmm. What yeah. is wrong with you guys? Well, I, I just, I think it's, just, to me, it's just leftover from as a little kid. I like Jamie, that. number one uh, candy is? Reese's. Reese, wait, the Reese's Pieces or the Reese's Peanut Butter Cup? Peanut okay. Butter Cup. That Come is on. correct. That is correct. No one eats pieces. Well, I like Reese's Pieces. Why? Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. Mm. Oh, they're delicious. No. But the cups are far superior, is my point. But here's the story. If you want shelled peanut butter candies, get the peanut M&M's. That's not peanut butter. That's peanut and chocolate. It's... Not Go even ahead. close. Fine. Anyway, Whatever. Forbes put together a list of the Can we ten, get back on track here? Ti- well, it's just, this is a... Uh, well, you I said candy corn was your favorite candy. That took us off track. <laughs> Forbes put together a list of the ten most loved and ten most hated Halloween candies. These are the most popular and least popular Halloween candies. Jamie and I are correct. The most popular <laughs> Halloween candy is Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, followed by Snickers, which I also endorse. I like. Sure. Yeah. I like. I, and Milky Ways. All of Milky that. Milky Ways are I good. Like those. Milky Ways will work. Milky Ways not even in the top ten, unfortunately. But I don't disagree with you. But uh, uh, you so it's, it's it's Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, Snickers, Twix, Kit Kat, and M and M's are at the top of the list. At the bottom of the list, number one is. Circus peanuts. <laughs> Do not give away circus peanuts. Okay. Number two is candy corn. Number three no, is wax coat bottles. Necco so, wafers and peanut butter kisses. Yeah, Necco wafers. Oh, yeah, Necco, Necco wafers. Boy, those are 40s, 1940s. So. Listen, <coughs> you know why this is a meaningless survey? <laughs> why? I'm, because I'm sure at every house, just like our house, you get what we give you, baby. Okay. Oh, what are you, yeah, what no, are you giving mean, out tonight? No. Just a big bag of candy, and kids walk up, and I reach in, get the can, put in whatever comes up. They yeah. don't get to pick and choose. No, no, no. I'm not saying that. You gonna slip some uh, weed candy in there? Well, the no, don't do year. that. Although people, no. like certain law enforcement no, agencies, no. are warning about that. But yeah. It, it just yeah. Never Why would you happens. give away your weed candy? It never happened. No. Trick or treat. <laughs> On your radio, on TV, and online, this is The Bill Press Show. Yes, indeed. Uh, Collusion, conspiracy, and criminal activity on the part of three, count them, three top Trump campaign aides. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. That's the news from Chief Counsel, Special Counsel Robert Mueller yesterday. Basically telling Donald Trump, you're a big fat liar when you say there's nothing to our investigation. And when you say this investigation is just a witch hunt, a nothing burger, uh, a distraction cooked up by Democrats to avoid talking about Hillary Clinton's loss of the election. Robert Mueller proved once and for all this is a serious investigation into serious crimes committed by top Trump campaign aides and a serious investigation led by a serious special prosecutor, which is going to have serious consequences for the Trump campaign. Hey, uh, Trump administration, ongoing campaign. Hello, everybody. What do you say? It is Tuesday, Halloween. Tuesday, October 31. Great to see you today. Thanks so much for joining us with so much to talk about. Basically, this is going to be the Robert Mueller show because there's so many dimensions of what we saw yesterday, surprising 
even Washington veterans who thought they knew what was coming. You know, we all speculated about Paul Manafort, maybe Michael Flynn, maybe Carter Page. Uh, nobody saw George Papadopoulos coming. Uh, and that may be the biggest news of all. We're with you on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show, as always. Joining you also on Free Speech TV, of course, coast to coast. We're with you on the radio and on TV, and in particular out in the greater Chicago area on WCPT and in the state of Indiana, Indiana Talks. Yes, indeed. It, pardon me. It was uh, just about 8 o'clock yesterday morning, East Coast time, right in the middle of our show, uh, that we learned that indeed... Uh, as CNN had reported, Robert Mueller had reached the f- end of the first phase of his investigation, had gathered enough information to be able to charge two people with crimes, convened a grand jury last Friday here in Washington, D.C. They approved of the charges. Uh, those uh, uh, individuals, Paul Manafort, former campaign manager, uh, and um, Rick Gates, his business associate who joined him, in the Trump campaign, were informed uh, they were going to be indicted on charge of 12 counts of uh, conspiracy against the United States, laundering money, conspiracy to hide uh, payments from foreign governments, uh, and they were ordered to turn themselves, uh, they were asked to politely, (laughs) which means ordered when the FBI asks you, that's an order, uh, to turn themselves in yesterday morning at the federal courthouse here in Washington, D.C. Uh, we heard that news, reported that news. That was big news. This is the president's campaign manager. Uh, Donald Trump immediately tweeted out, all this happened before he went to work for me in the campaign, which, by the way, is not true. Uh, and he said, and note, there was, in caps, no collusion. Uh, well, that tweet sort of uh, melted uh, an hour later when it was revealed that in addition to those two indictments, uh, there was also a guilty plea, a guilty plea on the part of a campaign aide uh, called George <coughs> Papadopoulos, who was part of uh, Donald Trump's national security team, his foreign policy team, that he put together in a hurry because people pointed out at one time back in June uh, or June, July of 2016 that he didn't have any foreign policy advisors. So he hustled together a team real quickly under the leadership of Jeff Sessions. George Papadopoulos was one of those members, and he went about and picked up as his mission going to London, meeting with Russian, uh, a, a prof- the, the professor he calls him, Uh, a Russian contact who said, we got lots of dirt on Hillary Clinton. In fact, I'm going to introduce you to a relative of Vladimir Putin's. Papadopoulos thought it was uh, Putin's niece. He proceeds to try to set up meetings. He talks to top campaign aides about what he can, these meetings, they encourage him to go forward. Papadopoulos even talked to Donald Trump about what he was doing, making all these Russian connections. And so that just belies everything Donald Trump said about no connections, no meetings, no collusion, no nothing, nobody around him at any contacts with the Russians. It is all just total false, total pack of lies. No. Yeah. No. Serious, serious, serious stuff, folks. 
not just for Paul Manafort and um, and uh, Rick Gates and George Papadopoulos, but for who knows else in the Trump uh, administration. Like this was the first step. That first step. This That's, was the first step. And I made that point yesterday. I'm going to make it again today. <clears throat> Sarah Sanders said yesterday at the briefing, we'll get about to the briefing in just a second, um, that uh, they're con- they, they, they know, they have inside information that the Mueller investigation is winding down. They, they are <laughs> living on Mars if they believe that. They, I mean, nobody believes that. Every special prosecutor, every former prosecutor, U.S. attorney talked to yesterday said the same thing. Clearly, what Mueller is doing is uh, is a serious, ongoing investigation. In fact, Mueller has 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 said that. Um, I was just looking. One of his one of his aides said that yesterday that we're this is a serious investigation that is basically just getting started. So on the briefing yesterday, you will not believe here. So here is Sarah Sanders' opening statement. And by the way, the briefing room was packed yesterday. Everybody wanted to know, how's the White House going to respond, right? Are they going to take any responsibility? No, no, hell no. Sarah Sanders starting off with, I believe, the biggest lie ever heard from the White House briefing room podium. Today's announcement has nothing to do with the president, has nothing to do with the president's campaign or campaign activity. How could she say that? How can she say that? Okay, it has nothing to do with the president. Paul Manafort, Rick Gates, George Papadopoulos all worked for Donald Trump. It has nothing to do with the campaign. All three of them worked in the Trump campaign. Paul Manafort was laundering money. He started representing this Ukrainian political party before, but he was not no longer representing them, but he was still laundering money while he was working for Donald Trump. George Papadopoulos was on Donald Trump's foreign policy team. In fact, uh, right after he named him to his foreign policy team, back in March, earlier than I thought, March uh, in 2016, uh, Donald Trump saying, bragging about having little Papadopoulos on his team. What George Papadopoulos, uh, he's an oil and energy consultant, excellent guy. Excellent guy. Yeah. Papadopoulos. Excellent guy. <laughs> yeah, right. Now they're saying, what? Oh, what? In fact, Sarah Sanders yesterday says, um, well, actually, he was just a volunteer. Nobody paid, nobody paid any attention to him. He reached out and nothing happened beyond that, which I think shows, one, his level of importance in the campaign, and two, uh, shows what little role he had within coordinating anything officially for the campaign. Uh, Yeah. Well, the meeting that Papadopoulos was trying to set up uh, between Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin never happened. But he was told, and you got to read the indictment, Papadopoulos was told, informed, kept the Trump campaign officials, Sam Clovis and others, totally informed of what he was doing. They encouraged him to move forward. They they congratulated him for his good work. And in those conversations, Papadopoulos has told, he first lied about it and got caught. And then he admitted that he lied and pleaded guilty and now, and he says, and then the indictment lays this out, 
that what this professor promised was dirt on Hillary Clinton, that they had hacked into her emails and the DNC. They had her emails. They had dirt on her. That's why they wanted to meet with the Trump campaign. Talk about, again, talk about, this is exactly what collusion is. And that led to the July, uh, July 9 meeting in at Trump Tower with Donald Trump Jr. and Jared Kushner and guess who? Paul Manafort with the Russian, uh, the woman from Russia, the attorney uh, who had Kremlin ties and allegedly was going to bring all this dirt with her. And remember when Donald Trump Jr. found out that's what the meeting was all about? He emailed back, I love it. Yeah. I love it. Right. So, I mean, this is on the part of Manafort and the part of Gates and particularly on the part of um, Papadopoulos. This is bad news. And here's what, uh, here's how, I can find it here. Here's how um, Robert Mueller yesterday described Papadopoulos. He calls him in the indictment, quote, a proactive cooperator. Well, that is not something I want Paul Manafort to call me. No, that's no, that's Mueller. Or what, what I want Mueller to call me. Right. But do you know what that means? If you're Michael Flynn, if you're Carter Page, if you're Donald Trump Jr., if you're Jared Kushner, if you're Donald Trump, you better watch your back. That's that proves this investigation is not over. This guy, he is coming after. He's he, this is the way these special investigations work. They always start out by getting a couple of guys, and they're sending a message. And the message that Robert Mueller is sending again is, "We're here to stay. We're not going away. We're coming after you, and we have people who worked with you, who know that they discuss this stuff with you." who are talking to us and telling us what, what, what was going on. So you had better watch out. By the way, we had <clears throat> mentioned yesterday to sort of brace yourself that these first indictments might not be that explosive, that it might be smaller uh, people yeah, because yeah. those people usually but, lead to bigger fish. Right, but I, I mean, we knew that Manafort might be a possibility. We know that Michael Flynn might be a possibility for future indictments and things like that. But this is not the end of the road. This is how these things start. They start yeah. out by getting people that Absolutely. they think that they can give information by the on way, these, bigger fish. Right. Okay. But and the Paul Manafort's a big fish. I was surprised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. agree. And but Papa But also I think he can lead to even bigger fish. Absolutely. And Pop but the National Security Advisor, for example, is a bigger fish. And Papadopoulos uh, was certainly a little fish, but he was a little fish swimming in big waters with the big fish. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he's the one he, everybody says he is the one who is most dangerous. That we, the 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 the, the one who could create the biggest problems of all. Uh, and again, so Donald Trump still trying to deny it, still trying to say, why aren't they talking about Hillary? Sarah Sanders said that yesterday, dismissing the role of Paul Manafort way way back. I remember Sean Spicer. I was the other day. Sean Spicer said, "Oh, Paul Manafort played a very limited role. <laughs> he was a campaign manager. That's not a limited role. That's as high as you can get in the campaign." And uh, and George Pop uh, Ben Papadopoulos was on Jeff Sessions' foreign policy national security advisory team, which, by the way, raises the question about what did Jeff Sessions know about what George Papadopoulos was doing 
uh, in setting up these uh, Russian meetings. We'll probably find out more about that. By the way, as well. By the way, look at who Donald Trump's campaign managers have been. Number one, Corey Lewandowski, uh, who is accused of Uh, assaulting a woman. Right. Right. At a Trump campaign event. So he's no good anymore. So they bring in Paul Manafort, who has now been indicted. And you know the third one was? Steve Bannon. Right. There you go. And this So two out of three have faced some sort of charge. Uh yeah. And uh the whole thing yesterday did remind us of Donald Trump saying over and over again that he would only hire the very, very best. That's right. So look at the people that he's hired <laughs> and fired, right? Fired Reince Priebus, fired Sean Spicer, fired Michael Flynn, uh, fired James Comey, fired I don't know how many others, uh, and hired Paul Manafort, fired him, uh, Rick Gates, fired him, uh, and then all these other people who turn out to be common criminals. Uh, by the way, you must, we must say, uh, Paul Manafort, he made $75 million dollars. Uh, representing these uh, Ukrainian politicians, this Ukrainian political party, $75 million, uh, which he used after laundering it through, I don't know, the Cayman Islands or the Seychelles or something. Uh, He uh, lived a good life. He had a $2 million house in uh, Arlington right across the river. He had a brown house in New York City. For a while, he had a condo in Trump Tower. Uh, he spent $6.4 million on housing. He spent $1.3 million on new suits in New York and Beverly Hills. Wow. Uh, he bought three um, Range Rovers and a Mercedes-Benz. And Must be nice. God knows what else he spent money on. It's just So to be clear, Mr. Trump has no financial relationships with any Russian oligarchs. That, that's what he said. I, I don't that's what I said. That's obviously what the, the our position is. <laughs> there it is. Uh, there he is. Either Paul Manafort woke up drunk <laughs> that morning clear. giving that interview and just just had to stammer all the way through that interview, or he is very very guilty. Uh, yeah. yeah. It, neither one is very good. No. <laughs> right. Um, so uh, just summing up, this is the it, the whole kind of scenario that the White House has been trying to sell. For so far this year, that and certainly since Mueller took over, but even under Comey, that the whole Russian investigation was a nothing burger. There was nothing there. There were never any contacts. This was all just invented by Democrats again because they couldn't accept the fact that Hillary lost. And what we really ought to be doing would be should be investigating Hillary Clinton and the uranium deal or the dossier or anything. It's all gone. That's all gone. They may they'll, they'll continue to try to say that. No, nobody, nobody believes it anymore. Robert Mueller has just shut that whole thing down. And we know now, Robert Mueller, this is a serious investigation. This is, as Joe Biden would say, a BFD, and it ain't over yet. And this is going to dog the Trump administration. And I believe there definitely will be more indictments. There will be more charges, more indictments. And they're going to go now from the camp. We watch. They're going to go from the campaign inside the Trump White House. And I believe they could go all the way to the Oval Office. It was interesting to see the reaction yesterday on the part of members of Congress. The, the Republicans were just falling all over themselves, trying to distance themselves from anything that Robert Mueller has said. John Cornyn, number two guy, number two Republican in the Senate, says, ha, it ain't our job to talk about this. A special counsel was appointed by the Department of Justice 
And that is the person you need to be asking the question of. That's not our responsibility. <laughs> By the way, at the same press conference, Chuck Grassley tried to scramble so fast to get out of there that yeah. he ran into a pair of American flags. <laughs> Some type of metaphor. Hey, he's I a bigger. Figure it out. He's a bigger uh, patriot than you are. That man runs into American flags. That's it. <laughs> but so Gordon just say, no, it's not our job. Wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. The president's two top aides, two of his top aides, are indicted for criminal activity. No, we're not supposed to comment on that. And Trent Franks from Arizona, Congressman Trent Franks, said, no, come on, can we talk about tax reform? We're on, the, I think, the precipice of major tax reform that could change the productive capability of the United States in ways that would help almost everyone in the country. And yet that's not part of the discussion. You know, we're back on Russia yeah, well, yeah. We're why? 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 Exactly. We're right. back on Russia. Mm-hmm, back on Russia. Oh, boy. And the funniest, I think, was Paul Ryan. Paul Ryan, who wanted to be anywhere but holding a news conference yesterday. Uh, well, what can I say? It is big news. Uh, it's, abs- it's big news, but this is what you get from a special counsel. <laughs> boy, really had a firm grasp oh, on what yeah. he wanted to say there. Huh? Oh, yeah. it's, abs- it's big news, but this is what you get from a special counsel. Uh, yeah. uh, uh. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, so um, we'll be uh, talking more with uh, about Robert Mueller. That's when Subsang from the Daily Beast, Jess O'Connell, who is the CEO of the Democratic National Committee, joining us a little bit later. And then Zoe Tillman from uh, BuzzFeed, who's been covering this uh, night and day, literally night and day. Uh, but uh, pardon the pun, but um, we do have there is some other news, a little bit of other news. Uh, the Trump White House was not the only House of Cards to fold yesterday. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The House of Cards, as a show, is over at the end of this season. After uh, the latest um, man to be charged with uh, sexual abuse, sexual being a sexual predator, Kevin Spacey himself, who saw that coming uh, way back in when he was 26 years old, sounds I believe. Right. Yeah. yeah. With the then teenage actor uh, Anthony Rapp, uh, Rapp telling, fourteen years old, who was fourteen at the time, yeah, Rapp telling his story, uh, Spacey, who probably was and said he was totally drunk, uh, but still um, trying to have sex with a minor is uh, inexcusable under any circumstances. Uh, Stacy, uh, Spacey apologizing yesterday, uh, and yet. Um, uh, and then, and then, really pissing people off by coming out and said, "But what do you expect? But I'm a gay man." Yeah, yeah. And and to their credit, LGBT leaders around the country just said, "No, no, no, dude. Uh, uh-uh. uh. Don't equate ra- trying to rape a 14 year old with being a gay man." Yeah, you know? I mean, we're, these are two two different th- deals here. Yeah, it's really bad. Really, bad. <clears throat> it's really really bad. And look, I, I mean. Kudos for, to Netflix for saying that they're disturbed by this. Um, and kudos for people to come out and, and say, like you, you said, many yeah. leaders of the LGBT community that just said, look, coming out and being yourself and putting that out there is a hard thing to do for a lot of people. And you really shouldn't wrap yourself in it to try and avoid criticism for a sexual assault charge. No, this is like those people who tried to excuse priests who abused Right, little older boys, right? Well, what do you want? They're gay. No, 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 no. Right. You know, gay does not equal child molestation, which is what this was with uh, Kevin Spacey. 
I was a little surprised that they didn't just dump Case uh, Spacey and come up with some new twist for the show. But I guess without him, there is no show. I, I guess not. I haven't watched it in a while. But they look. I that show either. sucks, by the way. It sucks. It's a bad show. It started Sorry. out as a great show, but that's another story. It's been a very successful franchise. Sure. Yeah. I mean, look, Netflix has built a lot of subscribers off of that show. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like I said, yeah. I haven't watched it in a while, but I don't know how they do it without him. No. Well, he's out of a job today, and so is Mark Halperin. Uh, we'll talk more with Aspen Subsang about that, too. Mark Halperin uh, had been suspended by NBC and MSNBC until they found out more about the charges against him. Uh, the more charges that come out, uh, the worse it gets for Mark Halperin, political commentator, uh, who was the regular on uh, Morning Joe on MSNBC, uh, in addition to his other uh, media activities, the circus and all that stuff. Everything is gone. He's got nothing left. Book deal gone. Movie deal gone. M- M- NBC uh, hits uh, contract gone. Um, the circus was under um, Showtime. 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 That contract is gone. He is uh, out of a job. Uh, and I'm not saying I feel sorry for him. The other thing we got to say is that where this came out of total left field. Okay, so Laura Ingram starts her show last night on Fox News. This was her debut show. And her big get is Chief of Staff John Kelly. All right, that's a whole question. Why would a White House Chief of Staff, who's supposed to be behind the scenes, the guy that keeps the trains running on time and and keeps the White House organized, running smoothly, bump, bump, bump. No, he shouldn't be out there doing TV interviews, in my humble opinion. And you name me one Chief of Staff who did as Chief yeah. of Staff? You can't. No. You cannot. So Kelly not only goes out to the briefing room twice and makes an ass out of himself, he goes on Laura Ingram last night, and of all things, he allows himself to be drawn into a discussion about the Civil War and Robert E. Lee. Yeah, Robert E. Lee, one of his heroes. I would tell you that Robert E. Lee was an honorable man. Uh, he was a man that uh, gave up uh, gave up his country to fight for his state, which in 150 years ago was more important than country. It was always loyalty to state first back in those days. Uh, now we're, it's different today. Jesus. Well, <laughs> I mean, maybe you could argue Robert E. Lee. I mean... He, he was offered the leadership of the Union Army at one time, so he's a guy who had a lot of respect at the time. But why would why would John Kelly allow himself to be drawn into this whole discussion? And then this idea that states were more important than the federal government at the time, that was John C. Calhoun's yeah. argument in South Carolina. Yeah. That's why they fought the Civil War, right? No, we fought a Civil War, and how many 50,000, whatever, Americans died for the principle that the union is more important than allowing each state to go its own separate way. He's denying what the Civil War was all about, isn't he? Or am I- uh, you will find that a, there are a lot of people in this country who deny what the Civil War is all about. Uh, that's true. But, I'm, I'm not saying it's right, but no, <clears throat> he's the, not one of the people I would have assumed would be in that club. Heritage, not hate, right, Peter? That's it. That's it. It's all yeah. about heritage, not hate. There you go. I mean, I know. I just went down to Charleston, and I, yeah. I experienced a few of those people. But, oh, I mean, yeah. for John Kelly... To be out, out in the, and then he goes on to say, "Yeah, I mean, if only, if only, you Northerners had been willing to compromise." The lack of an ability to compromise uh, led to the Civil War. 
and uh, men and women of good faith on both sides made their stand where their conscience uh, had them make their stand. So if we had only just allowed the Southern plantation owners to continue with slavery, if we'd been willing to make that compromise, there would have been no civil war. So again. The worst part about this, by the way, he has a Massachusetts accent. He is a northerner. He was born in Boston. But, you know, people are going to debate this and debate this. Again, why would the chief of staff of the president of the United States be out there on freaking Fox News with Laura Ingram talking about this? You you hear there's a very Trumpy message in what he says. He again goes back to well, both sides had a lot of good people. And, like, look, the Civil yeah. War is a complicated issue, and there were people yeah, who were fighting for what they thought was right. And right. okay. Right? Like, okay. But yeah. at the same time, you cannot rewrite history. Right? Like, they, they get no. so mad because they think that progressives are trying to erase history and get rid of monuments because they, mm. you know, they don't like them or whatever. And they're the ones trying to rewrite history. I mean, we know what the Civil War was about. Yeah, it really is. This is this is less fiery, but really echoes of what Donald Trump said at Charlottesville about it, about the riots in Charlottesville. And now we officially know that not only is John Kelly Donald Trump's puppet, he's also Steve Bannon's puppet. Yeah. 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 I mean, any respect I ever had for John Kelly uh, I, I, is gone. He is nothing but a political puppet of Donald Trump. He's He's allowed us. Maybe he was that all along, uh, but he fooled us for a while. Aswan Subsang from Daily Beast, uh, all over uh, the Mark Halperin, the Steve Bannon story, the Rick Gates story, here to tell us all about it. Coming up next. That's what he said. That's what I said. That's obviously what our position is. Download our podcast, search for The Bill Press Show on iTunes, and remember to rate, review, and subscribe. This is The Bill Press Show. Live video, Bill's commentary, the best clips from the show, all in one place. YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. All right, here we go with The Bill Press Show on this Tuesday, Halloween Day, October 31. Great to see you today. Thanks for joining us. It is the Robert Mueller Day here, Robert Mueller time in Washington, D.C. after the big news yesterday morning. Uh, indictments of two top Trump campaign aides, Paul Manafort, campaign manager, uh, his associate, Rick Gates, uh, indicted on 12 counts of money laundering and conspiracy against the United States, plus the guilty plea of Trump campaign aide George Papadopoulos, uh, guilty of lying to the FBI about his many attempts to uh, establish connections, contacts, uh, shall we call it collusion uh, with the Russians, uh, in their interference in the 2016 campaign. Uh, Aswin Subsang from the Daily Beast uh, talking and reporting on many of the same characters joining us in studio. Aswin, it's good to see you. Thank you for having me back. And may I just say to my uh, fellow Americans, trick or treat, happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Uh, happy Halloween. There you go. Uh, we have uh, um, been talking about this for about a half an hour here uh, and many many people responding on Twitter with their comments. Let's hear a few of those before we uh, jump into it here. Let's uh, jump into JD. it. On Twitter at BP Show, send us your comments on Twitter at BP Show. D. Seagull 
says, anybody seen or heard from Stumpy this morning? Maybe the White House staff put lock on mittens on him. Uh, I don't think Donald Trump has tweeted yet uh, this morning. Uh, he has not. He has not tweeted nothing yet this morning? Nothing, I don't have any. No. Okay. Nothing in yet. Phil <laughs> says uh, Papadopoulos is a guppy compared to the sharks he was swimming with. <laughs> that's a good way of putting it. And Tom They asked, start with a little fish. That's it? right. That's right. That's how Mueller works. Uh, and Tom asked you, Bill. Uh-oh. Uh, have you ever heard a press secretary lie the way that Sarah Sanders does? No, no, no. And yesterday, I actually shouted out at one point. She said, uh, "George Papanos, this has," and the, the three of them. She said, "They have nothing to do with the president." And I shouted out, "They worked for him." Man, uh, <clears throat> just got a stare from Sarah Sanders. At any rate, so keep those comments coming. We're on Twitter at BP Show. We also put up a poll the, the, yesterday. Go ahead, Bill. I just want. I want to come back. Her opening statement. This is this is. I say, ask one, the biggest lie ever told from the podium, the white in the White House briefing room. Today's announcement has nothing to do with the president. Has nothing to do with the president's campaign or campaign activity. Dang. I mean, they could have used that spin and been marginally kind of misleadingly on the cusp of some sort of truth before the third indictment was unsealed. Right. That had to do with uh, George Papadopoulos. Yeah. Uh, which, of course, was all about the campaign. And George's uh, relatively, to be fair, periphery or peripheral function within it. But nevertheless, he was communicating with top campaign brass about these uh, Russia-related meetings that he would not stop trying to make happen. And um, representing himself as a bona fide Trump operative, right? Right, of course. It, like He exaggerated his role. There's it, no doubt about it. His emails reek of someone desperately wanting to be taken seriously by um, the senior officials yeah. in a presidential campaign. And by the Russian officials. Right. Uh, by the way, it's worth pointing out that he did start working with Ben Carson. I find that sort of delicious. Uh, and when Ben Carson dropped was, out, then he, was, he went. Uh, yeah, he was a foreign policy advisor to Carson's 2016 campaign first. But as far as I can tell, there isn't really any evidence of the campaign treating him seriously or taking any of his work or research, uh, shall we say, and making him a part of their campaign. Um I'm not saying that George Papadopoulos was a key player or a big player um, in the Trump 2016 campaign. Having said that, at least Papadopoulos got a shout out from candidate Trump himself when he had that interview with The Washington Post the and Washington. read those like five or so names yeah, of he, foreign policy advice. Here he is. George Papadopoulos. <laughs> He's an oil and energy consultant. Excellent guy. It's a real heavy lift for him to say that mm -hmm. name. And Papadopoulos. Excellent. The, the only, and the only reason Trump is on record anywhere singing Papadopoulos' praises, this guy who, like Trump, would not be able to pick out of a lineup or wouldn't recognize him if he hit him with his car, is because uh, Sam Clovis, who was then mm -hmm. a top policy advisor for the Trump campaign, right? Um, who now... Um, is uh, being nominated for a Trump administration position. I, I believe the oh, hearings really? on him uh, on oh. Capitol Hill are actually this week, in fact. But anyway, I digress. Uh, Sam Clovis, um, he was the top policy advisor for the Trump campaign, 
back when they were basically desperate for any advisor whatsoever, any policy advisor to be associated with them. They did not have a foreign policy team mm-hmm. as a Republican front-running campaign should. So right. Sam Clovis, like, um, as quickly as he could, put together this list that happened to include Carter Page yeah. and George Papadopoulos, right. two people who Trump didn't have anything to do with really at all. So because of the sloppiness of the campaign and because Trump happened to read those two names out of, I think, five or six or whatever, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. he brought Russia baggage onto himself simply because Sam Clovis put a piece of paper in front of him. Right. And that's just sort of hysterical twist of fate to me. Right. Uh, Also, I I, I digress also here to put into point that Papadopoulos was so green and so new and so hungry to sell himself that in his resume for this committee, um, foreign policy committee, he listed as one of his credentials in foreign policy <laughs> a model United Nations meeting in high school <laughs> or college. What are the other? But, you know, those model right. UN things, we've yeah. all been part of them. Yeah, like, yeah, I sure. was when I was at high school. He graduated yeah. from college um, <laughs> just two years before I did. He graduated in 2009. And he was clearly... Jesus! He was very clearly desperate to be taken seriously by these guys who, uh, like Corey Lewandowski, Sam yeah. Clovis, Paul Manafort, right. it's so and it's just uh, backfiring him right. completely now. But hey, uh, at least people know his name now. Oh, yeah. Uh, that'll help him get a job from now on. Uh, there's one other guy here. I must admit, yesterday when I heard Paul Manafort and Rick Gates, my first reaction was, who? Rick Gates? But you were on to Rick Gates months ago. Um, uh, Back in June, uh, what brought what brought him to your attention, and what was his relationship with Manafort and with Trump? Sure. Uh, well, Rick Gates used to be uh, a campaign aide for uh, candidate Trump, and helped. He was basically Paul Manafort's deputy when Paul Manafort was running the show. Yeah. Um, despite the White House's and Trump's allies' hilarious attempts, mm-hmm. not just now, but ever since, like the beginning of the administration, to distance themselves from Paul Manafort. To say that Paul Manafort, whoa, he was basically Sean Spicer said a long time ago that he had little role, played right. little role, which is amazing. He's a campaign manager, right? Yeah. And when Paul Manafort was uh, taking the helm, particularly during the Republican convention, to sort of oversee keeping people in line, so Trump would end up being the nominee, and no funny business were perpetrated. Rick Gates was Paul Manafort's direct deputy when mm-hmm. that was going on. Mm-hmm. He was his right hand man, and. When Paul Manafort was ousted from the campaign, Rick Gates hung around for a while. Um, and then post-campaign, he helped out with the inaugural committee. And then he landed a sweet gig as Tom Barrack's right-hand man. Tom Barrack is one of Trump's, uh, or at least was, one of Trump's closest friends and outside advisors. I think he still is. Yeah. And, and b- fellow, even though there fellow, might be a little bit more friction now. Fellow and, and, billionaire, right? Yes, yeah. fellow, fellow rich guy. And Tom Barrack uh, had been in consideration for chief of staff uh, back when Reince was chief of staff as a possible replacement and had visited the White House multiple times to meet with Trump and still communicate with Trump even when uh, Barrack wasn't visiting the White House. And whenever he visited the White House, he brought along this guy named Rick Gates. Oh. And uh, the reason (coughs) I wanted to write about him as you mentioned several months ago, uh, back in early or mid-June, um, I wrote a sort of mini-profile of him along with my Daily Beast colleague uh, Gideon Resnick, who's one of our reporters based in New York City. Um, 
it uh, it documented sort of uh, what Rick Gates was doing now, his relationship with Trump world, the White House, the president himself. And one of the details we found uh, is that um, and Rick Gates himself has a sketchy, I guess what you could call pro-Russia streak and lobbying streak, just as um, his former boss and buddy Paul Manafort, of course, mm-hmm. did and does. Uh, so one of the things we found is that when Tom Barrack would visit the White House, he would bring along Rick Gates, and Rick Gates would hang out at the White House, and several White House officials confirmed that uh, to me and my colleague Gideon, but they went out of their way to say, oh, yeah, he's hanging around. He's maybe meeting with some uh, people who he sees in the hallway, but he never talks and won't see Rick Gates. Well, and Sarah, and if I was, can just interrupt you there for a second. Please go ahead. Because Sarah Huckabee Sanders yesterday tried to take that same line uh, at the briefing. I mean, yesterday's briefing, you would think that they had never heard of Paul Manafort, Rick Gates, or George Papadopoulos. But, so here she is on Gates. I know that there was some initial contact uh, after the president was sworn in uh, with him at meetings here at the White House, but nothing uh, directly with the president. Well, at least uh, the White House is now confirming on the record that he has been visiting the White House uh, ever since Trump was sworn in. I mean, it, it would help if they had White House visitor logs available to the public. That'd be nice. But obviously, mm-hmm. that's uh, yeah. it's not going to happen. <laughs> that's in the quaint. Trump era. Exactly. So, um, but actually... Uh, um, that uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders is probably telling the truth there because of how much the president hates Rick Gates. That's another thing we found in our reporting. Oh, uh, huh. um, huh. Paul Manafort, the president, uh, would like Paul to not be causing me so much trouble. George P. President, don't know who he is. Rick Gates, the president specifically disliked and his resentment and distaste for Rick Gates during the campaign actually started out, as we found in um, our reporting at the Daily Beast, in a sort of darkly humorous instance of mistaken identity. He did not know who Rick Gates was for weeks when he was first working aboard uh, Trump's presidential campaign. He thought whenever somebody would mention Rick, they were talking about Rick Wiley, I believe, who was, I think, Trump's national political director, who was sacked from the campaign not long after he came aboard. And there was one instance those recounted to me by a former senior uh, Trump campaign official who was with the president in a room, and suddenly Rick Gates walks in, and there's quite a few people in the room uh, or in the area. And the president looks over and says, who the hell is that? And it's Rick Gates. All right. um, He's a real details guy, you know. Like, yeah, right. 100%. Right. So uh, that's that, who this guy is, and that's yeah. where he figures in both politically and emotionally into Trump's orbit. All right. Now, another character here. If It seems to me if Paul Manafort's involved, if Rick Gates is involved, Steve Bannon has to be involved. No, you're telling me that Steve Bannon knows nothing, knew nothing about these efforts to to reach out to the Russians? Well, at the time, uh, Bannon wasn't a part of the campaign. And um, I've been doing a lot of reporting on this. I'm not ruling it out, obviously. Uh, Something about the Trump era is it's hard to rule anything out. But the irony— Is he still close to Trump? Steve Bannon? Very much so, and we'll get uh, into that in a moment. I uh, broke some news last night that's exactly about that point. Um, but in terms of Russia stuff, Bannon has surprisingly so far, comparatively, been able to keep his hands clean. 
Mm-hmm. Just by strokes of luck and timing of when he came aboard the campaign, there have been instances which go, was when um, officially August 2016, and all the stuff that's been really hitting the news happened earlier in the summer, if not before then, like in April. Right. Okay. Um, so back then he was still officially at his uh, safely tucked away at Breitbart. But Manafort was there until well July, I guess. So so Bannon came on board after the convention. Yeah. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and he uh, he basically right. replaced Manafort after he was ousted. Kellyanne Conway was elevated to um, uh, right. campaign manager, at least on yeah. paper. That was her title. Right. Uh, David Bossy was then brought aboard as deputy campaign manager. Yeah, okay. Uh, Jamie, can we have the breaking news sounder, please? Could Jamie, could we? No. <coughs> I guess not. No. This is a Bill Press Show breaking news update. Actually, it's an Aswin Subsang breaking news update. Yeah, not quite breaking. This happened probably like 10 hours ago. That's all right. Nine hours ago. It's it's the first time on the Bill Press Show, so it's breaking news. Excellent. As long as it's breaking to you. Uh, Well, (laughs) the the thing we were uh, mentioning about Bannon earlier, you asked, is he still close to the president? Very much so. Um, Even though he was ousted from the White House, uh, Steve Bannon still talks to the president regularly on the phone. In fact, uh, my sources both in and outside of the White House have uh, said that in recent weeks, the frequency of those calls has increased uh, noticeably uh, or uh, significant, significantly, I should say. Yeah. So um, after the indictment news came out, uh, the little bit of news I... Uh, Yesterday. I, yes, I, I broke last night, um, was that uh, Bannon got on the phone with President Trump and, among other things, urged him to get new lawyers because... <laughs> Uh, Bennon is of the opinion that uh, the president's legal team, led by folks like John Dowd and Ty Cobb, is relentlessly and grossly incompetent. So he's not suggesting a firing or demotion of those two guys, but he's been um, um, advocating now directly to the president, right into the president's ear uh, during a phone call post-indictment news yesterday. Yesterday morning? No, no, no. Yesterday later in the day. Oh, okay. Um to to basically do some layering and bring in uh, people who Lawyer would be up. more yeah. competent. Lawyer up. Yeah, to, to work above Dowd and Cobb. So, and and he suggested other things to the president that uh, mostly vaguely like getting more aggressive with Team Mueller or else you're going to get steamrolled or whatever. Um, and according to my sources, the president <laughs> was receptive to what Bannon uh, was saying and was of course v- venting his own frustration angers. Well, uh, but uh, it is unclear if the president has committed to any actual yeah. large scale reshaping well, of his legal. Okay, team. so this this gets back to the question was asked at the briefing yesterday. Uh, how did the president respond? What was his reaction uh, when he hears the news? Again, Sarah Huckabee Sanders lying through her teeth. He responded the same way the rest of us in the White House have, and uh, that's without a lot of reaction because it doesn't have anything to do with us. Uh, uh, Yeah, nice try, Sarah. Uh, Washington Post reports this morning that Trump holed himself up in his room yesterday at the White House, didn't get to the Oval Office until really late. Mm -hmm. He was just watching uh, the cable news and reacting and seething and calling his lawyers and screaming about how they could let this happen and, and he did tweet out yesterday morning, before we heard about Papadopoulos, he tweets out, you see, all this happened before they came to work for the campaign. No collusion, right? Then the Papadopoulos yeah, story Yeah, I, I love broke. the tweet. 
Also, but, there is no collusion, all caps. Yeah, That's right. just a standalone so tweet. That, he uh, apparently, the, uh, he was mad at his lawyers. Th- this ties into your story that he was mad and was screaming at his lawyers, and he was really... Well, m- more specifically, he was busy screaming presidentially screaming at the yeah. TV right. yesterday, yes. which, which I, I'm not being cute uh, about it in my phrasing. That is literally a Trump habit. Um, he, he gets mad, and he lit- and I've heard month after month after month from people who are close to the president and who work in the White House that he will yell at his TV screen while he's watching the news. And Don't some- we all? Right, right, and sometimes it's hard to... It's very hard to break him away from that habit, you know, when he's supposed to be presidenting or stuff like that. Yeah. And then he'll hate tweet his emotions right. while watching Fox <laughs> News. And on days oh. like uh, the Mueller day we had yesterday on Monday, <coughs> that stuff is exacerbated and sure. it gets worse. And the Washington Post, CNN, I think also Politico, the people who report these stories about the president holding up, yelling at the TV, fuming with rage are 100 percent true. Yeah, right. Uh, the the the, no. the Daily Beast can confirm, as some would say. All right, so let me ask you this: What role, if any, does Tony Podesta play in any of this? Uh, the leading Democratic lobbyist in Washington, and one of the top lobbyists, period, in Washington, who resigned from his own firm yesterday uh, because he is somehow linked to Paul Manafort. Well. Uh, Tony Podesta has uh, been a scuzzy Democratic character, as there are so many, uh, for for quite some time. And um, as my colleagues Spencer Ackerman and Betsy Woodruff uh, reported yesterday, and have actually reported in weeks before, they were actually ahead of the curve on this, that Mueller's team and his investigation was not just going to ensnare uh, Republicans and uh, Trump allies um, or people in Trump's orbit, um, it was going to ensnare at least some Democrats. And uh, Tony Podesta seems at the uh, uh, front of the pack for stuff like so that. So his firm, as, as I see it, his, as I've seen so far, um, M- M- Manafort reached out to fellow lobbyists, maybe others, but mm-hmm. certainly one of whom was Tony Podesta, uh, and linked him up with one of these Ukrainian political operatives as well, uh, uh, an organization, I, I believe, that the Podesta Group represented. I will have to defer now, to that. that in and of itself was not, is not illegal. The only illegal part of it would be if, if, like Manafort, he did not report his foreign, the money he was getting from a foreign government, mm-hmm. right, political entity. Yeah, well, on the Tony Podesta stuff, I have to defer to other reporters who have been tracking yeah. that more closely. But he certainly uh, was. But, but it, it's it's certainly, uh, yeah, it's it's certainly news that he resigned and he thinks something's coming. But unlike the other the three Trump guys, right. there's no indictment against him yet. No, no indictment. Not charged with anything, and he may not be, may never be charged. Mm-hmm. But he was ca- caught up in it because he represented some of the same people. I just wanted to get that out there because. Fox News is making it like it's all about Tony Podesta. Uh, oh, oh, uh, you, and if you really... don't mind, I, I have something to say about that. Yes. Um, Fox News and other um, conservative media type or pro-Trump figures who will nonstop say that the real story is the Podestas and Hillary Clinton and yeah. Uranium One. That's the real story. Why isn't the mainstream media talking about this? Uh, there is no Trump team Trump-Russia collusion. Um, which is a nonsensical 
talking set of talking points and arguments. But let, let let's just take that for what it's worth, which is very little at the moment, and uh, put it this way: If you guys like Fox News are so obsessed with this, why did a left wing rag, according to you guys, like Politico, have to break the Tony Podesta news? Mm. Why can't conservative media ever? break news or ground on these stories. Why does the liberal lying mainstream media always have to break news on these stories that you, Fox News, with unlimited resources and money, are so obsessed with covering? It's almost as if Fox News Channel is an unrepentant, unrelenting propaganda network that doesn't actually care about investigative reporting. It's almost as if that is the case. Almost as if that is the case. It's but almost course, as good. We would never say that about Fox News. No, no. The... Not us. Uh, no, never. Never. All right. um, you know, we only have like 15 seconds. Were you surprised that Mark Halperin uh, lost his job with NBC? No, of course not. He'd, he'd been ditched by everybody else. Um, a bunch of accusers were coming forward uh, that would uh, fly in the face of his various employers' uh, zero tolerance policy for sexual yeah. harassment and misconduct. At least, you know, policies that they're at least starting to uphold now. And uh, several of those on-the-record accusers uh, talked to me and my colleague uh, late last week. And that's it. Ashwin Zipsack, thanks for coming in, man. Thank you so much for having me. This is The Bill Press Show. Hey, everybody. This is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to The Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now, do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for The Bill Press Show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Yes, indeed. Uh, happy Halloween, everybody. Uh, there was collusion. There was conspiracy. There was criminal activity, so says Special Counsel Robert Mueller yesterday, uh, sending the Trump administration into a tailspin uh, and proving that... Um, this is a serious investigation uh, and that this is the beginning, not the end of it, as we saw yesterday. It is the Bill Press Show on this Tuesday, October 31. Great to see you as we reach out to you coast to coast on the radio and on television with all the news of the day. There's really just one great big fat story today, uh, but many, many dimensions of it as to what it all means, uh, what happens next, uh, and uh, what are some of the maybe short-term and long-term consequences uh, of the indictment yesterday of uh, former Trump campaign manager Paul Manafort, his deputy Rick Gates, and the guilty plea of another Trump campaign aide, George Papadopoulos, uh, lying to the FBI about his efforts to, in fact, set up meetings with Russian officials to gather dirt on Hillary Clinton and thus influence the 2016 election. (coughs) Sounds like collusion to me. Um, Jess O'Connell is the CEO of the Democratic National Committee, good friend, uh, joins us in studio with her take on yesterday's events. Hi, Jess. Nice Morning, to see Bill. you. Nice to see you, too. And there's a lot 
lot to do here with the DNC and the D's connection and the hacking and the Russian connection, and that was all part of it. So um, lots to talk about. Lots yeah. to talk about. And we want to hear from you as what you think about this news of the day. Is it, uh, as Donald Trump continues to say, all much ado about nothing? Send us your comments on Twitter at BP Show. And again, we'll jump right into it. But first... This is the Peter. Full Court Press. Yes, indeed. Just a couple of the stories making news. Morning Consult has a new poll out where they interviewed Americans to find out who the most popular and well-liked senators in America are. Huh. Any guesses as to number one? John McCain. No. John McCain's not even in the top ten. Oh, my God. You said most popular? Most popular. Why was John McCain your guess? Well, because he's a maverick and he's suffering with brain cancer. <laughs> Any other guesses? Uh, Kamala Harris. Not even in the top ten. Wow. The correct answer is what? fairly obvious to me. Number one is... Aaron Hatch. Bernie Sanders. <laughs> Bernie Sanders is number one. Followed... How did we miss that, Bill? I don't know. No, we, I should we have both said. screwed that up. I, we did. We did. Followed by Patrick Leahy. So Vermont's two senators are the two oh. most popular go, go, in America. Go. Now, here's the other part of the question. Who is the least popular senator in America? Ted Cruz. Jeff Tom, Flake. Tom Cotton. Jeff Flake is very close to the bottom. Tom Cotton also very close to the bottom. But the very bottom is... Ted Cruz. Mitch McConnell. Oh, oh yeah. Mitch McConnell. 55%, <laughs> we miss that of, <laughs> 55% of voters said they disapprove of the job that Mitch McConnell has done more than any yeah, other and, senators. Bernie and, Sanders, and by the way. And 90% of Republicans said they disapproved. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but, uh, it, yeah. on, on the Bernie Sanders, 71% of voters approve of what Bernie Sanders is doing. Go. So you got Mitch McConnell, 55% disapprove, 71% approve of the job that Bernie Sanders is doing, which is it's pretty interesting to go, me. Go, Bernie, go. Uh, yesterday, Facebook released some numbers. How many people were affected by the Russian government-backed hacking or the ads that they put out on Facebook? Facebook says... 126 million. There it is. It's not what they started with, though. That's not what they started with, but a no. hun- they yeah. say 100. I saw that number. Unbelievable. 26 million people in the United States may have seen posts produced by Russian government-backed agents. Well, this is sort of where the fake news was born, where we talked about fake news. That is a shocking number. That is a shocking number. So... Keep that in mind next time you look at Facebook. And I, but I forgot how many thousands of ads. There, there were like 3,000 ads, weren't there? Or more, 10,000 or something. Uh, you yeah. Know? Yeah. On TV and online, this is The Bill Press Show. Yep, conspiracy, collusion, and criminal activity. So says Robert Mueller uh, with his first, uh, there will be more, but his first charges filed uh, yesterday. CNN was right. Last Friday, they did. he did convene a grand jury. Uh, the grand jury did approve of those charges Paul Manafort and Rick Gates were uh, ordered to turn themselves in yesterday morning, which they did. But the big surprise was on top of that, uh, George Papadopoulos, it was revealed, a former campaign aide had had, uh, pleaded guilty to lying to the FBI about his contacts with Russian officials 
Hello, everybody. With that news of the day, uh, we head into hour number two of The Bill Press Show, Coast to Coast, with you on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show, looking at you on Free Speech TV and out in the greater Chicago area on the big progressive voice of Chicago, WCPT. Thank you so much for joining us, and say hello with me to uh, Jess O'Connell, who is the CEO of the DNC. Hi, Jess. Good to see you. Good morning, Bill. Good to see you. Um, so we all knew something was coming. Um, what was the reaction when you heard the news yesterday? Paul Manafort, Rick Gates, and then George Papadopoulos. Yeah, I mean, this is this is shocking, all of this. I think it's the natural sort of next step. We know that... 19 federal agencies have already proven that Russia did interfere and meddle in our elections. And now we've had uh, Robert Mueller investigating this and we've uh, had concerns all along the way. Um, I think like everyone we watched yesterday to see sort of where the chips may fall. And I think one of the first things that's clear is it looks like this is just the tip of the iceberg and the beginning. Um, I think that, uh, you know, to have the Republican chairman of the current president's presidential campaign along with top lieutenants uh, under indictment for conspiracy against the United States is incredibly serious. It's not good for America. It's not good for democracy. But I'm really glad that this investigation is underway. I'm glad that we're seeing it through. I hope that the president stays out of the way uh, of the investigation and allows the special prosecutor to continue his work. Um, But this doesn't look good for them. And, uh, you know, we're going to have to see where it goes uh, to its natural conclusion here. Um, But this is shocking and it's outrageous. And I think the thing that I'm most troubled by in some ways is Uh, You know, the current administration's attempting to distance themselves from this. uh, That is, I think, jaw dropping, frankly. And I don't think Americans are going to be fooled by that. Uh, I was at the briefing yesterday and Sarah Huckabee Sanders uh, assured us that uh, they have a good reason to believe uh, that the Mueller investigation is winding down and uh, (laughs) close to, uh, you know, shutting its doors and closing shop. That like basically this is all there is. Yeah, I'm sure the special prosecutor is keeping them abreast of exactly what his next steps are going to be. Yeah, no, look, I think I think we have to all wait and see where that goes. I think that um, it's clear that this administration is getting backed into a corner. It's clear that they are nervous about what's coming next. I think the indictment of uh, and, and, and guilty plea of George Papadopoulos is terrifying for those in the administration that he may have been talking to since July. Um, I think we see a lot of nervousness around that. Um, and, uh, you know, I think this proves all along that uh, there have been connections that have been worth investigating, that have been uh, terrifying, that we need to get to the bottom of. Uh, and this is the next step in that process. You know, the uh, Papadopoulos thing was really interesting because it came later in the day. And so, like, there was a defense sort of formulating from the Trump people that, like, oh, this happened way before the campaign. Well, and this That was and, Trump's tweet. Right. Yeah. I know. I know. And yeah. so they, they sort of, like, had that. And then all of a sudden, then there's this Papadopoulos thing, which totally changes that narrative. Yeah. But Which, like, it, it changes the narrative. And let's also not forget that Donald Trump has known uh, Paul Manafort for many, many years and has done business with him for many, many years. It's not like he just met oh, yeah. him on the campaign. Right. right. I mean, he's been involved and intertwined with this guy for a long time. I believe he had a condo in the Trump Tower. I believe somebody told me that. But probably didn't he have like six houses that he bought with laundered money? Yes. Yeah. yeah. He, had, yeah. he certainly had. <laughs> he the might money. have. He certainly had the money to buy. A yeah. Place laundered multiple times. Maybe. Oh, so yeah. to your point, Peter, uh, Fox News. I just noticed um, uh, in their uh, commenting about this morning while you were speaking, 
uh, they were talking about this story, and they, there were two different chirons up. The first one was, quote, unquote, I wrote them down, sorry, but this happened years ago, number one, and number two, Trump not mentioned in the indictment. Yeah. Now, that is so <laughs> phony, right? I mean, first of all, yeah, Trump didn't have to be mentioned in yeah. the indictment. Paul Manafort was his campaign manager. Yeah, Rick Gates was his top campaign aide. George Papadopoulos was a member of his foreign policy advisory yeah. team, right? Yeah. They all worked for the Trump campaign. Yeah, this is this is insulting to Americans. I mean, the the spin I, coming out of the administration, coming out of Fox News. Well, they're one I and think the same. Is, they are one and the same. I mean, look, I, I tuned in yesterday to to see how Fox was covering um, right as this was breaking with Paul Manafort and and Gates, and um, you know they had stories on uh you know the cheeseburger emoji and i mean it was they weren't even i'm glad to see they're at least talking about it now on fox news well, it took them a while and, i think to get their spin down yeah look it took figure. them a while to get their spin we down. were watching it, yesterday morning yeah. when the news broke cnn and msnbc went full bore yeah and fox was peter remember they were talking about i forget now but it was tax cuts or something they were way yeah. off and we kept saying robberies in the uk i think was what i saw when it was breaking we, we kept saying they're, they're they are really really busy trying to figure out how can we talk yeah. about this without talking about it and this idea too it happened years ago well yes and no paul manafort was still laundering money according to the indictment in 2016 he was working for donald trump in 2016 he was laundering money while he was campaign chair and you can't tell me that Paul Manafort, who walks into this campaign having just made $75 million from these Russian-connected Ukrainian politicians, didn't bring some of those contacts with him into the campaign yeah. and talk to Donald Trump stands about it. stands to reason. Yeah. It stands yeah. to reason. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is pretty logical. I mean, I think one of the things that's most concerning here is, you know, we talk about, you know, Fox News sort of late to the game here and their coverage and, and the spin around it. But, you know, we have a commander in chief who has shown zero interest in investigating anything related to Russia since his election, despite the fact that, again, we have federal agencies. I don't think he's even condemned Russia for no, hacking he... in the election yet. Uh oh. I have to interrupt. He's tweeting. <laughs> it has tweeted. Oh. This is a Bill Press Show breaking news update. As All of right. two minutes ago, Donald Trump says the fake news uh. is working overtime. As Paul Manafort's lawyer said, there was, quote, no collusion. And events mentioned took place long before he... Oh. You know dot, what? Dot, dot, And he left yeah. us with a cliffhanger. You know uh. what? So we'll have wait, the rest wait, wait, of that wait. tweet. Wait, wait, wait. He got that from that Chiron I just quoted on Fox News. That's where he gets all of his That's tweets. what he's doing. He's yeah. sitting in the room watching Fox. Fox News, Bill Press, yeah. Donald Trump. Yeah. Boom, 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 yeah. boom. Gosh. And but look, again, what about George, Donnie? Yeah. What about They're going to ignore that. They're yeah. going to ignore it. They're going to ignore it till they can't. Yeah, right, right, right. right, right. I mean, George, that's it, the... George is where the collusion is. Nobody's saying yet that Manafort, there's evidence of Manafort. But, but, I mean... I saw some special former special prosecutor said this morning, he's in he's meeting with these Russians. They say they've got dirt on Hillary. He says we want to let's set up some meetings. There are meetings at Trump Tower. That's collusion. Right, right. No, this is pretty straightforward. I mean, I think I think we yeah. have to see it play out, and we have to let yeah. the special prosecutor and also the House and Senate, uh, you know, uh, they're they're doing investigations as well. I, I think, though, again, I go back to. You know, we have an administration 
We have a Republican Congress. I mean, the silence is deafening here. I mean, why is every single member of Congress not outraged by what they are seeing? Conspiracy against the United States by Republicans helping to elect this president. Like, this is this is bipartisan. This transcends party. This is about being an American. And so none of oh, us like to see wait. what's happening here. But I sure as heck would like to hear more oh. from other Republicans. Oh. You know, and you, you have Paul, you know. Paul Ryan yesterday, well, nothing's going to derail us on our way. It's like, this ought to, we ought to take a moment here. Well, to be fair, though, there were some Republicans who expressed real outrage yesterday that the idea that Trump would be caught with his hand in the cookie jar, like John Cornyn. John Cornyn was just really pissed off. Here he is. A special counsel was appointed by the Department of Justice, and that is the person you need to be asking the question of. That's not our responsibility. <laughs> It's not our job to talk about yeah. this. That's, that's the best. I don't you... know. What is their job then? I mean, if not to defend us from foreign agents, yeah, I, that, right? I mean, isn't that the mo- one of the most important jobs? Of... That's the best you could get yesterday out of any of them. I, that's, uh, that I, is what's troubling That's who they me. are I mean, now, though. I, that's yeah. just who they You're are You're right. Now. And Paul Ryan just say, uh, yeah, yeah, let's talk about tax reform or anything. But uh, The Paul Ryan thing is really bad. I mean, he's just stumbling over his words trying to figure out how to get out of it. Okay, but let's get serious here. What we really ought to be talking about is you paying for opposition research into (laughs) Donald Trump. And Sarah Huckabee Sanders yesterday said at the briefing that that was collusion because you were – they were trying to set up some meetings like for free. But Hillary Clinton – she actually said this. Hillary Clinton was paying money to get dirt on Donald Trump. That – is collusion. And the DNC was the one that paying that money. So right. you are guilty, right? So, <laughs> well, let's talk about it. I mean, I think this is interesting, right? The spin on this. First of all, the, the report that was commissioned, the genesis of this report started with Republicans paying for this report. And in fact, a conservative website that actually was doing this research because they believed Donald Trump was unfit to be president. You know, and the fact of... The Washington Free Beacon. That's right. I mean, that's where the genesis of this report started, of course. In the Republican primary. Because they they believed he was unfit. They were also concerned about his ties to Russia, his business ties. He was not releasing his taxes, which he has still not done to this day. We do not know any connections that he may have to business connections that he may have to Russia. We don't know how this particular Republican tax bill that they're putting forth will impact him and his family because he has not been forthcoming in this. But in terms of opposition research, look, this is something that Democrats and Republicans do. This is a a way to sort of contrast against opponents to understand and learn more. And I would think that almost every American at this stage of the game agrees we ought to be learning more about Donald Trump and who he's connected and tied to. And and that was the nature of the, the work that was being done here. And that's there's a far cry between doing investigative research on someone and gleefully interacting with foreign agents of another country who are purposely trying to meddle in and influence the election. That's completely different. So uh, just just to clarify, this, so there was the opposition research, which I, I was a candidate. I did opposition research, paid for it on myself and yeah. on my opponent. Um but so that opposition research on Donald Trump had started be, uh, and was being paid for by Russian sources once he won the primary. The Republicans. Republicans, Republicans I'm yeah. Sorry. Once he won the primary and was the nominee, then the DNC and other Democratic sources picked up the funding, correct? Yeah, I, and continued I, the program. 
I don't know the actual timing of it. This was something that was subcontracted out. I wasn't at the DNC. I wasn't on the campaign. But yes, obviously someone picked up where some of this research left off to try to get to the bottom of some of the business dealings to try to figure out, you know, what else was going on with Donald Trump and what we should be looking into. I think, you know, we don't know. I don't know entirely what's in that dossier. What I do know is that some of it's already been proven to be true. What I do know is that, you know, what was in the dossier is that there were allegations that Russia was, in fact, trying to meddle in the election to have an outcome that would be positive towards Donald Trump, positive towards Republicans. And that that has been proven true by not Democrats or Republicans, but 19 federal agencies. So I don't know what else is in there. I suspect that there are others that are worried about what's in there, though. Did Chairman uh, uh, Tom Perez know that uh, the DNC was paying for this dossier? No, the chairman and I didn't know. Uh, but again, we are not opposed to opposition research and doing investigative work, but neither of us were involved or around when any of that was done. Yeah, breaking news, the opposition does opposition <laughs> Correct. research. By the way, we do have the second part of Donald Trump's tweet. He just, he just put oh, that out. Right. Um, he said there was no collusion uh, and the events took place long before he came to the campaign. Few people know or a few people knew, the young, low-level volunteer named, <laughs> named George. That's all he says. Yeah. The, the, the young, low-level volunteer named George, who has already proven to be a liar. Check uh, the dims. Check the dims. All caps. Uh, check. check the dims. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't know. I We were just talking about watching the news yesterday. I mean, I think I saw photos of George Papadopoulos in the White House with Donald Trump and Jeff Sessions and, Jefferson and others. And Jeff Sessions, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. I think we said, so yeah. I don't, that feels like not low level to be in a meeting at that level, and but okay. Of, of all the people back in uh, March of 2016, when the Washington Post was reported, you're running a campaign, you're running for president, you don't have anybody who knows anything about foreign policy around <laughs> right. you, uh, Donald right. Trump. So I got this one guy. George Papadopoulos, uh, he's an oil and energy consultant, excellent guy. Excellent guy. Excellent guy. Yeah. Yeah. This is look, this is what we would expect from Donald Trump. This is what we expect from the Republicans in the administration right now. They are backed into a corner. It is why they are trying to deny, deflect, disrupt. This has been a pattern since Donald Trump was elected. This is not new. I think Americans are not going to fall for it. I think they see an independent investigation being conducted. This is not a partisan witch hunt. This is an independent investigation that is being conducted. And we have people who are pleading guilty, who are under indictment, who are being continuing to be investigated. And I think we need to see it through to its conclusion. And I think just, Americans yeah. deserve that. Just one final word on the uh, on the dossier. Uh, I have to just my 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 opinion here. Right. Uh, I, I nothing wrong with as far as I'm concerned. It was opposition research. It was important to know. And, um, and it turned up maybe more than people expected to find about Donald Trump's connections with the Russians. Uh, I certainly believe that you nor Chairman Perez knew about it because you weren't there. You weren't in the job. I do find it hard to believe that neither John Podesta nor Debbie Wasserman Schultz knew about it. And if they did, fine. Again, to me, it would be nothing wrong with it. Sure. I just wish they'd say, of course we know Yeah, sure. Yeah, but anyhow, that's just my opinion here. Um, Can we move on to a couple of other things? Of course. What's happening in Virginia? It's a week from today. One week from today. This is the most important race of the year, I think, for a lot of reasons. 
Yeah. What do you hear? What's the latest? Yeah, I mean, look, there's a lot of energy. And I mean, this is this is the, the irony of sort of what's happening here. We're talking a lot about Russia. But the reality is, is that people in Virginia and people all over the country in New Jersey, Washington State, other other states, we've got a lot going on in terms of elections in one week. But in Virginia, we have this race. We'll talk here. about some of the others, too. Yeah, ahead, well, let's talk about Virginia. I mean, we've got this race where Ed Gillespie, the Republican uh, running for governor there, is running these awful ads uh, that are not truthful about Ralph Northam. Um, And so there's a lot of energy and momentum to sort of fight that back right now. But what we're doing is knocking doors. We have been knocking doors. Uh, Ralph Northam has been out there on the campaign trail for weeks. Just last weekend, we knocked 30,000 more doors than when Terry McAuliffe won. Um, So we're reaching people. We're having conversations. And I'll tell you the truth. The conversations that we're having aren't about this Russia stuff, to be quite honest. It's about health care. It's about taxes. It's about jobs. It's about opportunity. Um, those are the things that people want this administration, they want our government working on, and they want to make sure that they elect a governor that's going to work on that and that's going to work for all people, not just some folks. And so this is an incredibly important race. Ralph Northam is out there uh, talking to voters. Um, we've got a whole bunch of people that are out helping. And in fact, if you are local and in the area, this yeah, is the absolutely. week to do it. you got to get out and knock doors, make calls. People need to know there's an election happening. I don't know how they'd miss it on TV. There's here, there's a lot of ads running, um, but we're trying to make get the right message out. I mean, I mean, Ralph Northam is a is a, a doctor, a vet. He has served uh, his state, and he is ready to serve as governor. And I think now, more than ever, we need someone uh, to step up who is not just going to tow the party line. I mean, Ed Gillespie is the former RNC chairman. I mean, this is a guy who's going to tow the party line. And when you look at where this party is, we talk about where this party is right now. That's not where the country is. That's not where Virginia is. The Gallup poll yesterday showed Donald Trump with the lowest rating uh, approval rating at a 33 yeah. percent. Uh, I guess I would assume from that that Ed Gillespie is not going to be inviting Donald Trump to come into Virginia. Well, I, Ed Gillespie, from all accounts, is sort of in hiding. I mean, I haven't even seen him out at events right now. Uh, I think he's afraid of the questions that he's going to be getting right now. He's trying to sort of run out the clock, I think, a little yeah. bit on this is, oh, is yeah. what it looks like, uh, which is why I think the contrast is so important about how many people are out there right now for Ralph Northam. Uh, yeah, I think he doesn't want to answer questions about his party. I don't think he wants to have to go on record. And this is precisely precisely what Virginians should be doing right now is asking him to go on record and where he stands. If people in the area want to jump in, uh, and I know a lot of friends of mine who already have, uh, how do they do it? Where do they- yeah, Democrats.org is where you can sign up and help. We've got volunteer shifts going. In fact, you know, the DNC is headquartered right here next to Virginia, and we've sent all of our folks out. Everybody's out knocking doors, making calls, taking in incoming volunteers who want to help. If people understand, look, the world is watching this race. I mean, this is Absolutely. this is one of the most important races. Races, the biggest races since uh, since Donald Trump was elected. It's going to be close, though. Let's be clear. Virginia is one of the states yes. where, uh, you know, yeah. this is a, a state that has gone back and forth over the years. This is going to be a close race. Every single vote is going to count. It's why it's important people understand the election is next Tuesday and they've got to get out because every vote will matter in this race. And it's fine. It might be a close one, uh, but we want to get this across the finish line and make sure that we elect Ralph Northam as the next governor yeah. and as well as Justin Fairfax for lieutenant governor. 
governor and Mark Herring as attorney general. We see how important these roles are now. Uh, and then we have a record number of Democrats running down ballot. This is an opportunity to have your local officials elected as Democrats. Uh, we have people running in seats that they've never even run in as Democrats in Virginia. That's because people are engaged. They're motivated. They're energized. This is our moment. And those this state is house. Such, this is so important. Right. Yeah. Those it's state so house important. races are really, really important. That, that was one of the big handicaps that Terry, Governor Terry McAuliffe has had. He's been fighting a yeah. real right-wing Republican legislature the whole time. Uh, quickly, New Jersey. Yeah, Phil Murphy is doing a terrific job there. I mean, that race is looking good, but we take nothing for granted. We've, we, uh, The DNC is actually running. We've been running a $1.5 million program in Virginia, our largest ever, our largest of the year. The DNC's never played in a race at that level. In New Jersey, we are now up to six figures in terms of our program. We're helping the counties uh, get organized around their GOTV efforts. Well, I think we will see even more investment in the next week. Same thing, though. Again, election in a week. Uh, you know, Democratic governor has a chance. Uh, Democrat has a chance to take this seat now. Uh, Phil Murphy's doing everything right. Um, we, now it's about turnout, you know, in these last seven days. Both really states, important. Both states, it's about turnout. Yeah, listen, right. we only have 15 Democratic governors uh, out of all 50 in this country right now. We have a chance to change that this year, and then we've got an opportunity for 32 more next year. So this is the start. This is the start of 2018. It starts with uh, the, this next week and winning these two gubernatorial races that are incredibly important. And we really do have an opportunity to swing them, but it will come down to getting out the vote. It will come down to making calls and knocking doors and making sure that people turn out. Every vote will count in New Jersey and Virginia. You mentioned Washington State. Washington State is an interesting case. It's another race that the DNC has invested in. There we have an opportunity to elect a state senator. Uh, she is running, and if she wins her race, she will flip the state Senate there in Washington to blue, which is incredibly important when we look at redistricting for the future, who's going to draw these lines in a more fair way to ensure that there are fair contests uh, for the congressional races moving forward. But flipping that chamber again, mm -hmm. Republicans own two thirds of the country right now, gubernatorial and Senate chambers, uh, Senate and, and assembly chambers. This is an opportunity to change that in one week in Washington state. Whoa. Good grief. Yeah. I mean, like when you listen to that, it just it just it, like it shows how much is at stake. It, it, Everything's at stake. And look, here's some good news, and too. This right? Is an off year. Yeah, this right, is, right. No but more like, off years. That's so the new the, TNC. Say, exactly. No more off years. There's elections every, every single year. Every election is important. Every, every election matters. Every single election is important. And look, there's some good news in this. You know, we have been organizing all summer and all fall. We've been getting out there. We have already flipped eight uh, state and local races from red to blue in states that were deep red. I mean, in districts that were won by You're Trump by double Oklahoma, digits. I'm talking Iowa. three in Oklahoma, one in Iowa, two in New Jersey. We've got the Florida race with Annette Tadeo who won. I mean, we have been winning some of these races that people don't realize yet, but now we have an opportunity in one week to continue that momentum. It's incredibly important for those states. It's incredibly important to send a message, I think, across the country. And it's incredibly important momentum as we move into 2018, in which the entire country will start to engage in elections and have a voice again. You came to the DNC from Emily's List. And I remember right after, um, er early in the uh, Trump administration, um, uh, it might have been Stephanie Shriak who was in studio mm. uh, or the new political director of Emily's List. It's the name I'm blanking on. But Maybe Emily Kane, their new ED. Yeah, yeah it might have been. Yeah. Who, who talked about the fact that there were 11,000 women had signed up. And yeah. then I heard later it was up to 15,000. Yeah. I just saw a number like 20,000. Yeah, what they, is it now? And, yeah. and, and is it true there are more people, not just through Emily's List, but yeah. across the board who are coming forward 
uh, it basically either inspired or pissed off, or however you want to put it, by Donald Trump to say, Absolutely. I want to get in there and run for office myself. It, it is remarkable. You've been doing this a long time. I don't know if you've ever seen no. any kind of wave like this. I've been doing this about 20 years. I've never seen any kind of wave like this, particularly from women. Um, so, yeah, one of the last things I did at Emily's List before coming over to the DNC was help launch a campaign called Run to Win. And that was to inspire women to put their energy and their anger and their passion to work and to actually stand up and take the next step and run for office. And you're right. Basically, over the last seven months, 20,000 women just through Emily's <laughs> List alone. There are other terrific groups out yeah. there like Emerge America, uh, Higher Heights, working to elect uh, African-American women that are doing tremendous work. They are also seeing record numbers of women coming to their trainings, asking about how to run. Um, it's unprecedented, honestly. And look, women have been leading this resistance from the day Donald Trump was elected. We saw it start with the women's marches and millions Absolutely. organized all over. We saw women break the switchboard around health care. You know, those those literally the congressional switchboard broke with all the calls coming in to help defend health care. Eighty six percent of those calls were from women. Uh, this has not stopped. And what I'm so thrilled to see is that we're going to see it through to its natural conclusion. And I think women are going to be a big part of Democrats uh, having victories as we move forward. But we got to do the work. Women have to stay engaged. They have to talk to their friends. All Democrats have to be talking to their friends about organizing, registering and voting. We have to connect those dots. Marching isn't enough. It's important. We've made our voices heard. But now we've got to take the next step. Make sure we're registered. Make sure we're turning out. Make sure we're doing everything around these elections that we can do. No, it's an exciting time. Yeah. I've never seen the grassroots yeah. activity uh, as for real. It's, that's where the energy is today. It, it is. Really is. And uh, um, good for you for being part of it and helping helping get it all started. Jess O'Connell, with, so it's Democrats.org, right? Yep, Dem Democrats.org. That's how you uh, plug in. Thanks for all your good work. Thanks, uh, And Thanks, we will be back with Zoe Tildman from BuzzFeed. More on the big news of the day here. It is big news. Uh, it's, it's big news. Follow us on Twitter at BP Show. This is The Bill Press Show. video bill's commentary the best clips from the show all in one place youtube.com slash the bill press show trick or treat yes it is it's halloween october 31 tuesday the bill press show wrapping up here on a very very busy news day um washington um tense with anticipation over the weekend as to what might happen monday morning robert Mueller did not disappoint uh, first of all, he made his uh, move early in the day, which we all appreciated because we were able to dig into it and report on it, even uh, during our show yesterday morning. Uh, but then in addition to Paul Manafort and Rick Gates, the big surprise was dropping the news that um, uh, George Papadopoulos had um, entered a guilty plea to actually lying to the FBI as part of their investigation, initially impeding their investigation uh, by his lies about his contacts, ongoing contacts with uh, Russian officials, including a woman that he believed was the niece of Vladimir Putin. It gets really, really bizarre. Uh, and um, he is continuing to cooperate with the investigation. In fact, Robert Mueller has termed him, quote, a proactive cooperator. <clears throat> 
which may make some other people around the president and in the White House nervous. Zoe Tillman from BuzzFeed has been following this and writing about it and reporting on it and joins us in studio. Hi, Zoe. It's good to see you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So Paul Manafort, uh, well, first of all, let's just say he made a lot of money on this deal, didn't he? He did. Um, you know, they the amount of money that the prosecutors say flowed through offshore accounts in total over the period of years that we're talking about was something like $75 million. <laughs> and then of that, they say that he personally laundered $18 million. And that was laundered by, you know, having these offshore accounts, allegedly, where money was stored, and then wiring that money to pay for all sorts of personal expenses in the United States. They called it, quote, a lavish lifestyle that he maintained using this money. Uh, for example? For example, and I, I was just saying, I you know made a list of some of the, the highlight numbers. Um, there was $934,000 that was spent at an antique rug store. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. In yeah. Virginia. You know. Um, there was $849,000 wired to a men's clothing store. Which, by the way, when I do my shopping, I like to wire hundreds of thousands of dollars instead of just paying with a credit card. You know? Same. These J. Crew blazers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't yeah, yeah. come cheap. Yeah, you're going to wire the money directly I'd, to I'd them. like to know yeah. what men's store he was shopping at for. We yeah. don't know. Um, there was $655,000 to a landscaper in the Hamptons. Mm. Mm. Damn. Oh, that's right. He had a house in the Hamptons. So How I forgot much? about that. Six hundred and fifty-five thousand. Forget landscape. You could buy a new house for that. Yeah. Yeah, and then there were you know payments for cars, for Range Rovers, three Range Rovers, and one Mercedes. And Mercedes Benz. He bought real estate. Um, there was tons a of real estate. New York condo, Houses. a brownstone, a home in Virginia. Um, you know, someone was pointing out that he interestingly, allegedly, again, this is all allegedly. Um, but didn't make purchases that you traditionally think of when you think of money launderers, you know, investing in art, other items that uh, appreciate in mm-hmm. value over time. Um, the I think the antique rugs really threw people for a loop. <laughs> so what about the argument which uh, Fox News is making again this morning and Sarah Sanders made at the White House yesterday and Donald Trump has made in his tweets? This all happened years ago. Uh, he tweeted that again this morning, I think. This happened years ago before Manafort had anything to do with the campaign, so therefore there's no connection to Donald Trump. And in one sense, they're right. You know, these payments all predated his time on the campaign. Um, all of the, you know, alleged financial transactions and the, you know, failure to register as an agent for foreign entities that all happened before he joined the campaign. Um, interestingly, the allegations that he lied to investigators and to the Justice Department happened after he left the campaign when there were news reports about his ties to Ukraine. And, um, you know, that happened after he left the campaign. So there's this this gap when he was actually on the campaign. Um, but I think it's worth saying a couple things, one being this indictment may not be the final word from the special counsel team. They can certainly come back with what's known as a superseding indictment if they want, and that would add... On Paul Manafort. On Paul Manafort. They could add any charges they want that could have nothing to do with any of this. You know, they could... We know that George Papadopoulos is a cooperator. It's possible they're working with other people. So this is not the final Mm -hmm. uh, document Mm -hmm. that we might see come out of this. So it's possible there could be other charges... um, and, yeah, and it's possible they want this indictment to put pressure on Paul Manafort 
to be a cooperator with the special counsel team. And it may link back to it could link back to the White House and to the campaign if they're you know saying to Manafort, you're either going to go to jail unless you give us something that does relate to Russia collusion. Right. CBS News reported exists. last night that Paul Manafort could be facing 15 years in jail and uh, Rick Gates 12 years in jail. I would think that that would be um, uh, a sufficient motivator for them to cooperate, right? Um, I imagine that's what the special counsel team is hoping. It's a significant jail time, for right. sure. And I should say, I mean, interestingly, um, Paul Manafort and Rick Gates did not come into the courtroom through the public door. They came in through the back, mm-hmm. which is where you know folks in custody come into the courtroom. So you know you have to imagine them getting a, a small taste of <laughs> what it's like to be on the other side. And I, you know, I can imagine these are experienced prosecutors on Mueller's team, and they're thinking, you know, we want to put as much pressure on them as possible now to convince them to cooperate. I mean that that feels, and you know, you talk to white collar lawyers who covered this, you know, watch this kind of stuff, that's sort of the logical progression of a case like this, is okay. to try and flip and increase uh, the course. pressure. Yes. Uh, and then the third man here um, that most of us had never heard of before yesterday, uh, I certainly haven't, uh, George Papadopoulos, whose um, role may have been, may be the most troubling uh, of all three, and who certainly has a direct connection to the Trump campaign. Right. As much as the Manafort and Gates indictment didn't talk about the Trump campaign at all, that's the only thing that the Papadopoulos criminal complaint was about. And it was, you know, he the, the what he's charged with is lying to investigators about the extent to which he was talking about Russia while he was on the campaign. You he know? said he started he said he talked to them before he joined the campaign. Right. Uh, he was lying, right. and he f- fessed up and said, "Oh no, actually, I did start. I didn't start until I got on the campaign, and and then he pursued it aggressively." And there was, you know, also in the documents talking about this unnamed law professor overseas who told him about how the Russians had dirt on Hillary Clinton, and you know, it, Mueller's team saying that this law professor didn't wasn't really interested in Papadopoulos until he got involved in the campaign, which again speaks to some sense of his significance in relation to the Trump campaign at the time. Right. Um, and so we know that Papadopoulos is representing himself as a um, an agent, if you will, of the Trump campaign, met with him. Then he ascertains that this guy really is working with the Trump campaign and then he comes back and says, well, I got, I got some stuff, right? I got some, I got some dirt on Hillary, maybe emails on Hillary. So they, and then... Papadopoulos takes that back to the campaign and says, I've got some people over here who've got some dirt on Hillary. We ought to arrange a meeting. Well, so we don't know if he told or what he told the campaign about the dirt piece of it. That's not clearly explained in the charging papers. We know that he emailed, according to the the court documents, about a meeting with Russian officials, about a meeting between Putin and Trump. But the one thing that's not clearly explained yet is who and to what extent he communicated what he knew about the Russians having dirt and these emails about Hillary Clinton to the campaign. So that's a, a gray area okay. as of now. What, but what is, it, what is the connection then between that and the famous Donald Trump Jr. meeting at Trump Tower 
where he was told that the people coming in for that, what was it, June 9 meeting, mm-hmm. um, where Paul Manafort was, was present and Jared Kushner, among others, um, and Donald Trump Jr. was told they're coming in with some dirt on Hillary. On its face, we don't know what the connection is. There is no mention of Donald Jr. There's no mention of Paul Manafort, any other names. Was this a Papadopoulos arranged meeting? It said that Papadopoulos was trying to arrange a meeting with the Russians and that it never happened, or at least the meeting that he was trying to set up. Well, he was trying to set up a meeting between Trump and Putin. Right. Yeah. Having Trump go to Russia. <laughs> right. And there was even a footnote where the prosecutors noted that there were emails from other unnamed Trump campaign officials saying, someone's got to tell this guy that this is not going to happen, that we yeah. can't send Trump to, to Russia. Russia. Yeah, to meet. Um, so we don't so, know what the connection is. We don't know who but, this unnamed female Russian is. The, the niece, Putin's niece. The putative niece. Yeah, Putin we, niece. The professor and the niece. Yeah, right. This is the, uh, this is the book title. Um, but we do know that um, George Papadopoulos, to save his skin, is cooperating and has been cooperating for the last three months. So who, if you're speculation, we're speculating now, right? But we know who some of the players are, right? Uh, who, who, who should be nervous about Papadopoulos? I think we can safely say without having to do much speculation that we know that Michael Flynn is under investigation um, for some of the same alleged issues that have landed Paul Manafort and Rick Gates in trouble. There was, you know, failing to register as an agent for Turkey. This is Michael Flynn, um, you know, mm-hmm. allegedly lying to the FBI about his contacts with Russia, which is similar to what we saw with Papadopoulos. So I think you can see common themes arising out of the whole Michael Flynn situation. Um, we know that Carter Page is yep, also right. a There's foreign one. policy advisor to the Trump campaign. We know he's been under investigation. We know that the special counsel is looking at him, at least according to you know reports about it. Um as you mentioned, there's the whole June 2016 meeting at Trump Tower. Everyone who was in that room, presumably, the special counsel is looking at. Um, Which includes Jared Kushner. Right. And Donald Jr. Right. So, you know, I don't, to the extent they're, they're, they haven't already been nervous, I suppose this might make all of these people more nervous just because we now see that. You know, we have a sense of what the special counsel is working towards, and we have a sense of how aggressive they're going to be in pursuing charges uh, and, and what their timeline is looking like. You know, We didn't know that the Papadopoulos case existed. We didn't know that he pleaded guilty almost a month ago. You know, to the, right. There have been leaks about this investigation, but that, that certainly one. didn't no. leak. That was uh-uh. a big surprise to everyone. So I think he's keeping everyone in the orbit of all of this on their toes. You know, the impact of being able to keep that a secret with no leaks, I think speaks volumes about Robert Mueller. And it really does. It's his sending a message. You know, we know what we're doing. You know, we're tough. We're serious. And uh, we're on your, you know, we're coming after you. I mean, nobody nobody could just dismiss that uh, as, as um, amateur hour or anything. That was brilliantly played yesterday. Yeah, he's a serious person. He's not yeah. a grandstander. No. He didn't no. try and come out and talk about it, you know, the way that other people have in the past. It's just kind of like and the more Donald head Trump, down, we're working. More Do Donald Trump said, say. right? This is a this is witch hunt. This is fake news. This is a nothing burger. This is just 
the Democrats trying a distraction created by them and everything. Robert Mueller just ignored it all, just kept his head down. Yeah. Kept pursuing, you know, moving forward. Um, I, I do have to play for you because I was there yesterday and um, it was a moment when I thought all of us, if we had any self-respect, would have just picked up and walked out of the briefing room when Sarah Sanders opened up by saying no, dis- no, no connection at all with anything we're doing here. Today's announcement has nothing to do with the president, has nothing to do with the president's campaign or campaign activity. If that's not the biggest lie you ever heard out of the White House briefing room, I don't know what is. But uh, there's nothing, there's nothing, no foundation at all to what she says there. Yeah, I mean, it's, we have a, a court document. This is a, you know, there are consequences for lying to a court, right? So we have prosecutors coming in and saying, we we know that George Papadopoulos was at a meeting with Donald Trump with other, you know, senior advisors standing up and saying, I have connections that can help us get a meeting between Trump and Putin. That's what they've, you know, said to a court happened. So it is, you know, it's remarkable for the White House to say that this has nothing to do with the campaign when the Papadopoulos case has everything to do with the campaign. Now, it's true that the Manafort Gates case so far on its face is unconnected. So far, but he was the campaign manager. Yes. And there was baggage. uh, There's certainly baggage. Uh, I mean, I've said, read several accounts. I haven't seen this in the indictment yet because I haven't had a chance to go through all of it, but is that he continued to launder money while he was campaign manager. Now, again, maybe that's not a direct campaign connection, but he was had the title. And we don't know what he talked to Donald Trump about. And we don't know what contacts he kept with him from these Russian-affiliated business or politicians that he was representing in the Ukraine, right? Uh, and so certainly with the George Papadopoulos, you cannot say this has nothing to do with the campaign. I would argue you can't say about, about any of the three of them because they all worked for the campaign. They all worked for Donald Trump. And mm-hmm. all three of them now have been, I mean, according to Robert Mueller, guilty of various uh, criminal, uh, various criminal activity. So where does this go? Uh, the other thing that Sarah Sanders told us yesterday, emphatically, twice, but she wouldn't reveal any uh, uh, sources, is that they have every reason to believe that this is the end of the Mueller investigation. It's winding down. It's winding down. I will say there is absolutely no way to know when and if it will wind down and when and ever. Does it look like at the end? I don't think so. You know, we uh, one of my colleagues, Chris Geidner, had a great report yesterday where he looked at a transcript from the hearing where Papadopoulos pleaded guilty. And the prosecutor stands up and says, this is just a small part of a very large investigation. That's the phrase I heard. I read yesterday. And, you know, granted, that was October 5th. We're now at October 31st. A couple weeks have gone by, but it seems very unlikely that much would have changed in terms of Papadopoulos being a small part of a large investigation, which is how the prosecutor from Mueller's team represented it. It seems unlikely that that would have changed in the past couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. So I think we've got a little ways to go, yeah. maybe a lot. Uh, I think that's pretty. Yeah, I think that's pretty clear. Small part, but to say that small part of of a large investigation, um, and. Um, and with with serious consequences, of course, Donald Trump 
um, not acknowledging that yet, and maybe, maybe never, maybe never will. Um, does this sort of also kind of pull the rug out from under the Senate and House Intelligence Committee investigations, or give them a little more fuel to run with? What's, I don't know. what's the impact? Do you think? I mean, it may just put the pressure on everyone that much more. I think the the House and Senate Intel Committees may feel a greater sense of urgency if they want to keep up with the special counsel probe. They now, like all of us, have some understanding of where this investigation is headed, the scope. Mm-hmm. You know, we've seen from yeah. Manafort and Gates that it's quite broad, that they're taking their mandate to not just look at Russian collusion, but any criminal activity they might find along the way. They're taking that seriously. And so it may put a little fire in the belly Mm-hmm. In, in Congress to right. keep up and put the pressure on in terms of their own investigation, who they're subpoenaing, who they're bringing in to testify. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, we'll see. By the way, just, just one final point. You, you, when you mentioned this, um, about the fact that there, a few weeks ago, there was a hearing in front of a judge where George Papadopoulos came in and, and the prosecution, they made their case, and George Papadopoulos pleaded guilty to lying to the FBI, and we never heard about it. I, I, I still find that amazing that Mueller was able to pull that off in this town. And you know there are sources in that courthouse. I mean, people who, they know who these players are. They see them coming and going, right? And the, the, that, that's such a coup for Mueller to be able to get that, pull that off in this town without yes. anybody knowing. yes. I huh? think that's that's fair to say. I mean, they're granted sure. this is a courthouse that houses a, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court. There are yeah, secret yeah, proceedings that yeah. happen all the time. Right. Um, and they keep them secret for the most part. But, listen, but look, yeah, I think for this to just be leaks. Even out the, there. Even the fact that last Friday it leaked or somebody leaked that there was a grand jury, that there were charges of, and that something was going to come down on Monday. You know, that leaked. But this one... Uh, this one never did. So uh, related, one of the people that we haven't talked about is Carter Page. For whatever reason, he volunteered to go on MSNBC last night with Chris Hayes. So Carter Page, also a top campaign aide, also one who was reportedly seeking contacts with Russians, maybe even, I believe, traveled to London himself to set up some meeting. whatever. I, I mean because we haven't talked about him for a while, so it's a little fuzzy. But he admits last night to Chris Hayes on MSNBC that he and Papadopoulos were probably emailing back and forth about meetings with Russians. Here he is. So you and Papadopoulos, you probably were on email change together, right? Perhaps, yeah. Okay. Those probably included discussions of Russia. It may have come up, yeah. What's he thinking? He's every lawyer's dream client, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Nightmare client, right? Yeah, it's um, I. A lot of people were calling it strange. I think that's an accurate mm-hmm. word to describe what it was. Um, you know, it's I guess not so surprising in that we he's gone on. TV before to talk about all of this at times when you thought it might have been surprising for someone in his position to go on TV and talk publicly about all of this. Um, You know, to the extent that 
he this could get him in trouble. I think there have already been reports that he's under investigation and he's been mm-hmm. under investigation for quite some time. So I don't know that this would change anything necessarily in that respect. Um, but I if they weren't already looking at his emails with George Papadopoulos, I would expect that they will now. <laughs> you know they probably you know they already they probably will. have. I thought for sure that he was going to be one of the ones that that would be named yesterday. You know, it seemed to me it was Manafort and Carter Page were the two most likely, and somehow Rick Gates out of nowhere. I I didn't see that one coming, and certainly nobody saw George Papadopoulos coming. <laughs> I right. think I think part of Carter Page's strategy here for doing so much media is to just say. I am so dumb that I can't that I could not have possibly <laughs> lined up any sort of conspiracy against the United States. <clears throat> I couldn't have colluded with the Russians because look at look at how stupid I am. I just don't know when to shut up. Like, why are you doing so much media? Just be quiet. Just go away. That's what that's what any good that's what any attorney would would tell you to do. Right? Yeah, yeah. Just be quiet. Right. I I genuinely hope, Carter, that you are innocent of everything. You're doing a lot of talking. Um, (laughs) It's either either, uh, admirably bold or or, or reckless. Uh, Right. I would say reckless or stupid. Um, So the other question is, and some people expected that as soon as this happened, uh, Donald Trump would fire Robert Mueller. Could he? Can we know he has the power to do so? Okay. Could he do that and get away with it? The process he would have to go through to actually do it, I think, would cause so many more problems for the administration that I have to think that if he's been thinking about it, a lot of people have told him that it's an absolutely terrible idea. You know, So he's he, probably going to do it. <laughs> so he, he, if history is any indication, he's going to do it. Right. I mean, he can't go up to Robert Mueller and say, you're fired. He has to go to the deputy attorney general, Rosenstein. Rod Rosenstein, and say, I am ordering you to, to fire. fire Bob Mueller. At which time Rosenstein would say, no, I quit. Or he would say no and he would get fired. Right. And then, then he would get fired. it would move to the third in command, which is the associate attorney general, Rachel Brand. And she would be faced with the same choice. And it would go down a chain of succession until they found someone to do it. And then we have a, another and- Saturday Night Massacre and Jeff, Jeff Sessions is out of the picture. Jeff Sessions he, is recused. He has no say one way or oh, the it other. Would be bloody. It would really be bloody. And then yeah. you have, and you've already had members of Congress say, if this happened, yes. you know, Democrats have already said this would be an impeachable offense to interfere. I, you know, I think it, Republicans would have a hard time yeah. defending this. So we've got a lot more work to do. We'll let you go, Zoe. Thanks so much for coming in today. Great job. Thanks for having me. Hey, have a great day, folks. This we'll see you tomorrow. This is the Bill Press Show.